the Oklahoma State Cowboys is the Blitz 1170. All right, welcome back. You're on the Blitz 1170. My name is Jeremy Poplin, high atop the press box here at the Liberty Bowl as I get set tonight for uh, Tulsa and Memphis on ESPN. I also have wrestling right outside tonight. Come on. Jerry the King Lawler is here. Coco Beware. Lex Luger, for crying out loud. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. That's all part of the pregame festivities here tonight for football in Memphis on a Thursday evening. All right, let's hit up that uh, Oklahoma Ford Dealers hotline and welcome in Ryan Aber here on the uh, Blitz 1170, who uh, is uh, covering the Oklahoma Sooners there for the Oklahoma. Ryan, what's going on, man? How are you? Oh, doing all right. Just making my way down I-40 back to Oklahoma after a quick visit to Arkansas. So uh, uh, not, not a bad day so far. Okay, how far into Arkansas did you have to go? Because I have some thoughts on I-40 through Arkansas. <laughs> just into, uh, I just went up to Fayetteville, so I did not have okay. to uh, venture too far. But uh, Little Rock to Memphis is about the worst stretch of road that I've ever had to drive uh, multiple times. So I can. Uh, Thank you. I'm glad I didn't Thank have you. to make that. There is, there's no question. Now, I'm lucky because we fly with the team, so I didn't have to drive that. But I will tell you, there are two elements of the I-40 trip through Arkansas. One, Fort Smith to Little Rock's not a cakewalk by any means. That, that section of 40 sucks. And then, just when you think this can't get any worse, oh, buddy, let me tell you, Little Rock to Memphis is even worse than that. So it's like the double dip. You're, you're, getting, like, you're almost getting like two wrestling finishing moves uh with within your drive it's it's just not great man i'm glad that uh your trip only went to fayetteville yeah i uh i used to live up there love it up in fayetteville but uh going much farther into arkansas especially on i-40 uh is no bueno for sure it is not uh at all uh by any means um, I wanted to uh, check in with you today uh, because there, there are a number of things, right, that are kind of lingering out there as we finish out the home stretch here for, for Oklahoma football. Um, I, I don't know where you're at uh, with them over this final three-game stretch, but I think uh, the, the most honest thing that has been said this entire year might have been from Brent Venables when he said we could lose every game or we could win every game that's on the schedule. And quite frankly, it's played out that way. He, that's not coach speak. He was 100% correct on that. And I think we had a, a, uh, an image of that last weekend and could potentially have it again this weekend with West Virginia. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, you know, West Virginia clearly struggling this year, but uh, they, they've been much better at home and Oklahoma has uh, you know shown a tendency to struggle, uh, sort of in all situations, and uh, every one of these last three games is sort of a coin flip. I, I think uh, you know certainly there's a good chance that they at least win one more to get uh, bowl eligibility uh, for for yet another season. But it's not going to be easy, and it's it's never easy in Morgantown. Although this is going to be a little bit different situation, the first time they've ever played there during the day. And, uh, you know, clearly with uh, West Virginia struggling the way they are, and, heck, you know, Neil Brown, this uh, might be uh, one of, if not his last game. And, 
you know, the, the atmosphere isn't going to be quite as rowdy as it normally is when uh, I've been out to West Virginia. Brent Venable said this week, um, with so many people asking questions about where they're at defensively on this, uh, for the first time, uh, Brent Venables basically said, hey, the, the inexperience uh, of, of our guys, the, that, the quote, I see a defense that doesn't have a lot of experience, so there's going to be some ups and downs on this. Uh, and he's right, right? I, I mean, they don't, uh, especially with this style. Um, but it, it felt like that he is at least now admitting maybe what he didn't want to admit or earlier in the fact that, or at least let it be known that it is as um, as heavy-handed as what it is without having the experience to get them to this point. So what what's kind of the, the feel, in your opinion, for them the rest of the way out and, and to try to improve? Is this just building the, the frame for next season with getting as much of experience for these guys as he can? Yeah, I think that's got to be the, the main focus. I mean, clearly they want to win these last three games and, and have some on-the-field tangible success this year. But with uh, – you know, some of the young guys that have played a, a fairly decent amount, guys like R. Mason Thomas and, uh, you know, Gentry Williams on the back end, get those guys out there, Robert Spears Jennings, get those guys out there and, and get them a little bit more experience because those are guys that Brent Venables brought in and, and they wanted to be part of this defense and, and they knew what they were planning on running when those guys got in. You know, so many of the guys that, you know, Brent Venables really – sort of went down the defensive depth chart and a lot of those guys are, are juniors and even seniors that haven't played a lot and one there's a reason they haven't played a lot uh, to this point but two they weren't brought in under Brent Venable's system so uh, you know I, I, I don't think it's going to go fully they're just not going to uh, dismiss those guys who maybe are going to be replaced uh, on down the road but I think those guys are going to start seeing a significant amount of more playing time here uh, to try to get some some of that experience going into next year at this point. Well, and you're right. He did go down the depth chart. And you know, Red Grimes, right, barely a one-year starter. Uh, you've got Ethan Downs, right, who – uh, we we know uh, starting nine games, right, hasn't even had a full year. Those were guys that uh, were talked about early on about having to play a pivotal role in this, and some of that experience has definitely shown. Yeah, no doubt about it. And and they still feel feel good about those guys, especially Ethan Downs. They they really like what he's brought to this point. But you know, he didn't play a whole lot last year, and then was really thrust into that role. You know, we'll see what they're able to do on the recruiting trail here as uh, as this uh, window uh, rolls down a little bit. Obviously, a you know, big loss on the defensive side the other day with Colton Bassick uh, flipping over to Texas. But um, if they can keep that class together, the future looks a little bit brighter on the defensive side. But it's certainly been, a, you know, been a difficult uh, battle this year for them. Well, I'm trying to think about, like, should should fans be concerned? Because you hear the messaging from Brim Venables, which is we haven't even scratched the surface on the depth of the defensive playbook that we have, and they're having a hard time picking up what we're trying to do now. So is that because it is all the inexperience? Are there other things that are going into this? It's It seems like a difficult balance, I think, for a lot of fans to try to – 
understand and how they should feel about the future. Like, is this a group that you are trying to move forward with? Uh, are they able to get it? And does just extra time in the program going through a full spring football, another spring football, and into a fall camp, does that benefit them? Like, I, I don't really know where they should be right now with how they feel about this. Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, sort of a little bit in the middle of things. Certainly you're concerned about what you've seen of this defense uh, to this point and that, that remark in particular at this point in the season. But also, again, these are guys who weren't brought in largely for to play this defense. And they're going to bring in guys who fit Brent Venable's system uh, over there and what he likes to do. And because of that, and as they get more experience, the uh, older guys get more experience in this system, they'll be able to open up that playbook a little bit more. But I thought it was really interesting to, you know, finally hear him admit that, that they, yeah. that they were, uh, you know, keeping the playbook pretty thin. Uh, right now compared to, uh, you know, what he'd like to do. Yeah, well, and I think he's – maybe I'm off on this, but I think he's trying to – I don't know what else he can say, I guess is what also I'm trying to say. It's like he, he feels like yeah. he's probably run out of everything that he can, so now it's just time to strip it all down and to just be as honest as possible because let's just take the defensive line uh, as, a, as, a, as a point – They've tried so many different rotations across the defensive line in an effort to try to fix the problem, and there really hasn't been anything that's worked, right? So when, when you have questions that are thrown at you, the only thing that you can give now is just completely honest answers as to this is just where we're at, and, and we don't really have any other recourse until we get to the end of the season. Yeah, I think you know certainly he knows that you know recruits are going to hear what he has to say, and you know if you try to, to lie – People can see through that at some point, whether that's the, the, the local fans or recruits and their parents. And, uh, you know, opposing coaches are certainly going to jump on that stuff on the recruiting trail. So, yeah, just be honest about it. Say what's happening and, and hope that, one, his reputation, uh, which obviously helped him immensely in the recruiting game, you know, over the last uh, 11 months or so, that his reputation helped. Uh, helps them build that defense back up with guys that fit his image. Uh, and then, uh, you know, hope you could convince some of those guys to come and uh, turn things around here, um, you know, by being honest and, <coughs> excuse me, saying, hey, you're going to have a chance to play here <coughs> if you uh, perform well. Ryan, you can fight through it, buddy. It's all right. No, no worries. Go ahead and uh, and take your time to cough there. We can pot you down for a second. I, I'm in the same boat, my man. Um, I, I've I've been coughing, and uh, it's that time of the year here. So uh, take all the time that you need. Now, uh, let's move all over. Right, I think I'm good now. <laughs> let's move over offensive. I'm just glad you're okay. Over offensively, um, we've we've talked a lot about the offense here on this station, and I, I've got to give credit because it was Dusty Dvorak who said something the other day, uh, even before the Baylor matchup, and he was like, you know, it really feels like the rest of these games, it has to be like a star power game, and the first name out of his mouth is Dylan Gabriel. It has to be a Dylan Gabriel-type game. Do you get the sense that uh, knowing with just who they are and who they are defensively, 
like the the offense has a lot of pressure on it, right, to make up for everything that the defense lacks. They they almost go into a game knowing that there's a very limited amount of mistakes that we can make because we're just not good enough as a whole if we make some catastrophic mistakes here uh, and multiple of them during a game. Is 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 the pressure uh, starting to mount on the Oklahoma offense knowing they have to basically do everything? Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about it that that uh, you know living on that razor's edge of having to pretty much taste perfection every time out is, is really difficult. And, you know, we've seen it with these OU offenses over the last few years when their defenses haven't uh, matched up, but those teams had quarterbacks that were, you know, all timers. Uh, yeah. You know, I think OU got really spoiled with Baker Mayfield to uh, Kyler Murray to Jalen Hurts and heck even, you know, the last couple of years, Spencer Rattler and Caleb Williams could do things that would just make your jaw drop. Dylan Gabriel's not that kind of guy, but he's a really good college quarterback. And, uh, you know, has shown over the, the balance of the year an ability to make some pretty good decisions. Now, there were a couple uh, of decisions, especially on that first and third interceptions that he had, you know, last week against Baylor that certainly didn't live up to that standard. But, by and large, he's been pretty good, and, and they've got to keep, uh, you know, keep getting that kind of play out of him, keep getting Marvin Mims more involved. Uh, you know, it was, I thought it was good for their offense to uh, finally complete a, a, one of the deep balls to Marvin Mims the other day. Uh, you know, could have had another one, I think, on that third interception. Mims was wide open uh, deep down the field uh, for what would have been, a, you know, another touchdown uh, there. Uh, but, you know, Eric Gray's been really good, but it's hard for him and the offensive line to carry this team. They need to get Dylan Gabriel going. You know, I think as Dylan Gabriel goes over these last three games, the Sooners will go because, yeah, their defense hadn't been very good, but, you know, they're playing some teams that have some issues on the offensive side uh, over these last uh, few weeks, especially, you know, if uh, the Oklahoma State doesn't get its quarterback back. So it'll be really interesting to see how these last three games plays out. But they're all sort of uh, coin tosses uh, right now. Uh, last one, Ryan, on this. I, I was trying to think back, and I'm sure I'm just missing one. But, man, it's hard for me to remember another team that's been as drastically different at home as on the road as what West Virginia is. I mean, they go from averaging over 40 points per game at home to virtually nothing on the road. It's staggering how much better they are at home. Yeah, it really is, and you know we'll see if that trend continues on Saturday. But certainly, OU hopes it doesn't. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, this this has been a, a really potent team in Morgantown, and, and you know that's sort of what we expected out of this group. You know, with JT Daniels there, uh, with with what Neil Brown likes to do on that side of the ball, and they've they've been you know it's been a really big disappointment to see what West Virginia has done especially like you mentioned in those road games but they have been uh, uh, like another team at home you know I'm interested to see how much different I mentioned this uh, you know early how much different that atmosphere is down there uh, and and if that takes some of the the oxygen out of the air uh, for that West Virginia offense or if they're able to uh, build some momentum and and keep that thing rolling uh, and and certainly the numbers uh, w- would say when you look at OU's defense that they'll be able to put put up some points and uh, yardage on the board.
Ryan, safe travels on I-40, man. Um, get, uh, get back home safe. Always appreciate your time with us here in Tulsa. Thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, absolutely. Enjoy the game tonight. Thank you so much uh, for having me on, as always. Yeah, no problem. That's uh, Ryan Aber joining us via the Oklahoma Ford Dealers Hotline here on the Blitz 1170. Yes, high atop the Liberty Bowl here, where I have a view, Matt, of all the glory and wonder that is the Tennessee slash Arkansas area. I feel like I'm so high up enough I can see all the way into uh, to Arkansas from where I'm at. I saw I'll Rick, snap a photo for you. <laughs> I saw Rick Corey's photo, and I got to be honest, okay. you you have a good seat. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good seat. But again, every time I move my leg with the chair that I'm in, it scrapes the underneath um, area of the counter, and just massive globs of just junk fall off all on my pants well pop here's like it's the thing. just weird when that stadium was built people were shorter <laughs> no i get it i i get it i guess i need to look to see when the liberty bowl was built 1805 liberty bowl um all right i don't see that's just the actual game I think that they're talking about. I need to actually find the September stadium. Sixteenth, nineteen sixty five is when it opened. Simmons Bank. Nineteen sixty five? Yes. Oh dude, I would that, man. I would have guessed like I don't know. Nineteen oh two. It's just kind of the way that it feels right here. <laughs> oh boy. Hey, good for them, though. They're going to pour a ton of money into this, and the city needs something like this, especially if they're going to have the USFL here back because did you know that uh, they were going to try to move the um, franchise out of Tampa back to Memphis and resurrect the old showboat's name? By the way, Memphis's band has a dude that just busted out the electric guitar. So maybe we might have a little guitar solo coming up for tonight from the Memphis band. Now I'm definitely intrigued. <laughs> All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back with more. It's 2.20 here on the Blitz 1170. Every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m., First Priority Bank, member FDIC, member FDIC, honors the best in Oklahoma in high school athletics. We pick a uh, player of the week, and the uh, First Priority Bank makes a $500 donation to that school, which uh, that athlete plays for. Again, First Priority Bank every Wednesday here at 8 a.m. on the Blitz 1170 as we have that announcement with the uh, Player of the Week. We'll take a time out and come back with more from Memphis next year on the Blitz 1170.